With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode of The Chris Johnston Show is brought to you by Sports Interaction. Sports Interaction is your homegrown sports book, where local takes on an entirely different meaning, focusing on the teams, games, and players that matter to you. Sports Interaction is on the ground, on top of all the local trends, and offering prop bets that you'd never even imagined existed. From same-game parlays to a best-in-class casino, featuring thousands of games and live 24-7 dealers, giving you that Vegas experience any time of day. And now introducing The Locker Room, the first of its kind in Canada, a live watch party for the biggest games of the week, providing in-game betting tips built directly into the app. Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook. Go to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN to open an account. Bet local. 19 plus, please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or the gambling of someone close to you, please go to connexontario.ca. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? Powered by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Always remember to bet local. Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. It's Thursday. Actually, not just any Thursday. American Thanksgiving Thursday. Uh, so we'll get to stick taps. We'll do something I love doing with you, and I know you probably hate uh, what we do with uh, teams in playoff positions at American Thanksgiving. But we need to talk about the Edmonton Oilers again. Another brutal loss. Goaltending, a big problem for this team, and the hopes of them making the playoffs, let alone being a Stanley Cup contender, falling further and further out of sight for the Edmonton Oilers. CJ, did you get to watch any of the Carolina? Edmonton game that was like a Stanley Cup preview for a lot of people once upon a time if you look at the calendar before the season began and with the way Edmonton has been playing the way the goaltending has been oh yeah it seems like we were very very off on that one what did you make of that game yesterday if you got to watch it I think that might have been my cup final pick actually so you know and and I know I wasn't alone you know there was some first of all I thought it was two great teams and obviously a little bit of 2006 vibes it would be kind of cool to see a redux of a cup final a generation later um but yeah that's not uh, that's not the offing at this point i think really we're at the stage where it could not be more critical for the edmonton oilers i mean they, they've already waived jack campbell and sent him to the american hockey league uh they made a coaching change bringing in chris knoblock for jay woodcroft and here they are having lost three in a row now uh, on their trip out east here and I really believe if you look at the numbers and the kind of climb they're facing, I mean, they could be a week or 10 days away from really their season being over if they don't 
find a way to get some points in the bank. And any way you sort of dice up their numbers or the underlying stuff, not to mention just what you saw in that game on Wednesday night. I mean, it, I just don't see where it comes from. It comes from, cause we know the, their top 10 players have all world talent. And, and so you, you would never want to bet against that over a long enough period of time, but they don't have a long period of time. That's, that's kind of the point here. And, and, you know, they're minus 19 goal differential uh, only ahead of San Jose in their division. And obviously this is a year in San Jose where they're more focused on the number one overall draft pick than anything else. And I don't know where to look for, for help. I, I don't see one trade that's going to save the season. I don't see one roster move. That's going to save the season. One benching uh, from the new head coach, clearly the coaching change itself, at least in the early days. And I'm certainly not blaming Chris Knobloch, but, but just saying that, that maybe that wasn't the problem that, you know, that was the one that was diagnosed uh, by the organization. Um, but they're, they're in a really, really difficult spot. I think that they're at the stage, Julian, where, you know, they do have their 2024 first round pick where you're thinking as much as every year with McDavid and Drysidle and what have you is, uh, you know, it is, it, you know, you got to go for it. Um, you know, it's going to be difficult to, to justify giving up that pick. Even if you say top five, protect it could end up being the seventh overall pick. If you top 10, protect it. I mean, I, I'm being a little facetious, but I'm also thinking like based on where they were six weeks ago as an organization, where they would have been thinking what they would have been planning for this season. Nobody could have planned for this. I don't think this is, this is one of the most inexplicable starts for a team that had cup predictions that, that I can recall seeing. And, you know, they might have to hope uh, that they can be the St. Louis blues of 2018, 19, but let's face it that we bring up that team because that was one in a million. I don't know that that's, that's the exception, not the rule. So I want to go back to what you said about how there's no one roster move or trade that could, you know, fix this team necessarily. So what about all those people who are looking at their own teams looking at their own goalies and thinking, Hey, maybe that could help the Edmonton Oilers. Let's get a pick from that. I don't know. There's people in Montreal who are looking at their goaltending situation as an example, who are thinking, Hey, why doesn't Ken Holland pick up the phone and see if it's not worth trading for Jake Allen as an example. Well, I mean, Jake Allen has a seven-team no-trade clause. Um, I don't believe I, – I don't, I, don't, I don't think that – they can't just trade Jake Allen to Edmonton. Um, you know, Samuel Montembeau is a pending unrestricted free agent, had a nice little run here for the Canadians. You know, I think that there's a world where Montreal would like to extend him if possible, but, you know, if that's not going to happen, you know, maybe he's a goalie that could be traded, you know, somewhere. But – this is a problem. Edmonton, no one's going to do Edmonton any favors short term here. And, you know, the, I think the viewing of that game in Carolina was you could have had two goalies in the Oilers net and you might've still ended up with the same outcome. I mean, the defensive breakdowns and things in front of them, you know, I'm not defending the Oilers goaltending by any stretch. I mean, they have an 870 team save percentage uh, this deep into the season, by far the worst in the league. No team is going to have success. You know, it doesn't matter what your forwards are doing, what they look like, where they are in the scoring race. If you're letting up four goals a game, you're, you're just not going to have success in the league. And that's where Edmonton is uh, as we record this today. And so, yeah, I, you could try to get a Mackenzie Blackwood out of San Jose. Maybe it's Samuel Montembeau from Montreal. But, you know, how much confidence would you have if you're Edmonton that, that they're going to, you know, that level of goaltender? And I'm, and I'm not throwing any shade in the direction of those guys, but... It, you know, you, you would be asking someone, you're just hoping to catch lightning in a bottle if you think that they're going to fix what ails the team in the moment. And so, you know, it's it's an incredibly difficult spot for 
Oilers management, I think the impulse to do something just to do something could could get you into some trouble. I'm not ruling out that that they're out there for a goaltender. Obviously, they've scoured the market to see what the options would be available. There's you know was talk of a potential Jordan Bennington move from St. Louis. Um, you know, some people wanted to connect them to UC Soros. I can tell you that the Predators have absolutely no intention of trading Soros. I suppose there's there's a world um, where you could offer so much that Nashville would have to reconsider, but that's not the plan. I mean, Barry Trotz has been very clear. He wants Soros to be part of the next great generation of Predators here as they retool. So I, I don't know where you turn. I don't, I don't think there is one move and I can tell you from inside the the walls there a little bit I think that that's what they're beating around like can we even make a trade that makes a difference and the problem once you get in the season man look at the schedule it's just like the games just keep coming 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 like there's not a lot of time to regroup and find yourself and right now Edmonton's sort of sliding into oblivion and and you know I think really in danger it could be the first week of December and we might say this this team season is for all intents and purposes over well what about the fact that the Oilers have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, two great players, and I mean we are still ways away from talking about their contract statuses and their futures. But it feels like almost any year, as long as you have those guys basically at their points right now, that you're not winning is a wasted year. And for for them to go on a start that they're on, I mean their their hopes of making the playoffs grow fainter and fainter as the day goes on but for them to just not do anything and maybe look at that 2024 first round pick and think okay what can we do with this like I don't know for me like it's just you can't afford to do any wasting of that era and make any of those guys think that they could win anywhere else that's just me thinking about this well and that's fair and look I should be a little clearer on what I'm not advocating at all that you have to keep your 2024 first rounder. I mean, I'm with you when you have McDavid and Dreisaitl at the ages they are, you know, I I do think that you should be compelled to do absolutely everything you can to try to win in in that given season where we're getting to though, is we're getting to where it's, it's like, can they win this year? Like, can they actually turn this around? Have they dug too big of a hole? I'm not ready to, to pronounce that just this moment, but we're having this discussion on November 23rd. Like, like that's, even that that's even a, a, a plausible discussion is is a huge concern. And, and here's something to keep in mind. Let's say you trade your 2024 first rounder, you lottery protect it, which, you know, it happens all the time now in the league. The way that typically works, and, and obviously this can be negotiated with, between the teams, so there's different ways to word it. But typically it's say if this is a top three pick or a top five pick or a top 10 pick, then and, and it lands in that zone, then it defers to the next season. Well, if you're Edmonton and you're making that kind of trade, I'm just putting this on the table. Mm-hmm. You have to be sure that your 2025 pick, because you usually don't get the lottery protected twice. You have to be sure that in 2025, you think everything's going to be different, uh, even if this year goes off the rails. And that's where I think it's it's getting into dangerous territory. I'm not saying anyone there is thinking about these guys leaving yet or anything like that, but you're getting to the point where everyone feels the end of their contracts coming because it's close enough on the horizon. You can sort of see it if you squint your eyes. And then you have this year now that you're living and you're not sure you're going to make the playoffs. I mean, there's just, there's just a danger. Uh, what are the, some of the good examples of this? Was it, was it the Matthew Shane trade? I think with Ottawa, they didn't, they didn't protect it. Anyway, there's, there's been a couple examples where teams bottom out when they didn't mean to, and they didn't end up having a pick protected. That could happen potentially in this situation. I just think you have to tread carefully if you're the Oilers by no means am I predicting they're going to do nothing 
but I do know that, that they're looking at the situation and thinking a little bit like, Hey, there's not, there's not one fix here. Like that, that's, they, they've kind of played a couple bullets. If you think about it, I mean, it sounds weird that taking Jack Campbell off the NHL roster is playing a bullet, but I mean, it's a pretty strong statement. Uh, obviously it's, it's an admission of failure when it comes to that contract uh, that they gave out to Jack Campbell, you know, not even two full years ago, uh, you know, changing your head coach when they did is a pretty big statement, you know, meant to get everyone's attention. I just get the sense that everything really isn't right there. And I think it's a confluence of a lot of things. I don't think this can be explained by one issue, but you know, McDavid not being at a hundred percent, him and Dreisaitl both kind of going through for, by their standards, you know, really, really incredibly slow starts of the year production wise. Um, you know, the bottom is falling out of their defense. They're not getting enough saves. Yeah, there's, there's just, it just feels like there's a degree of dysfunction there. Um, and, you know, it, they just don't have a lot of time to save it. I think that's, that's kind of what's impressed upon me. And I don't know that there's an obvious route to saving it now, but at the same time, you got those two players at your top of your roster. Can you really just punt on a season, you know, in November? Can you think of any time during your years covering the NHL where a team with this much hype, this much attention, so good of players at the top of the lineup, disappointed as early as they did in a season? It's one thing to have all that hype and then you go through the playoffs and you lose in the first round. But for them to be at a point where we're saying they're a week away from their season truly being over. I can't think of any other team that, and, and, and maybe it's because my memory's failing me, I can't think of any other team that has endured a slide like this. Me neither. I mean, there, there must be somewhere back in the annals of time, and maybe we're missing something that's like staring us in the face, but, but it's pretty unusual for a team that had this kind of... Um, you know, I think legitimate hype too. Like they've won multiple playoff series each of the last couple of years, right? Like they have knocked on the door. They got to the Western Conference final two years ago against Colorado. They lost to Vegas last year and Vegas went on to win a cup. I mean, I think there's a there's an alternate universe where the Oilers were in a Stanley Cup final or, or could have won a Stanley Cup the last couple of years if, you know, it bounces or maybe some health of their players, whatever. But they, the point is they were not far off. And so I think some of the hype that they carried into this year really was legit. It's just you see teams have slow starts. You know, there was a slow start in Toronto, for example, and, and, you know, a fair bit of alarm at the end of say October, early November. Well, you know, now they've won four in a row and, and things are just look a little different. There's a little less urgency there. Um, you've been waiting for Edmonton to really pull out of this nosedive and it just hasn't happened. And so I, I can't think of an equivalent for a team that was as talked about as a cup favorite to be at the bottom of the standings Again, it's not like they've lost a whole bunch of one goal games. Like like they're minus nineteen. It's it's ugly, man. It's it's I I don't know what you do. And you also got a GM in the last year of his contract, uh, a newly installed president above the GM. You have, you know, someone who's got ties to the owner and Paul Coffey on the bench. Like it just it feels it it, it does feel like they're it's a tenuous situation. And and look. As, as much as we're talking about this way, a four game win streak and we're doing a show in a week, a week and a half time. And we're probably talking about, Hey, like maybe the Oilers are back now. Like, I think that's, that's what they have to focus on. It, it, it feels lost when you start looking at the big picture, small picture. If you take care of your business, uh, things turn around, but I get the sense of the turnaround is probably going to have to mostly come from within. I mean, there might be a minor roster move 
or two coming, but I, I don't see anything major that's going to be, be dropped here in the next few days. It's going to, you know, totally shake things around. I mean, they've already made two major moves of sorts and, and they haven't gotten the response they were hoping for. Uh, they get the Washington Capitals on Friday afternoon, uh, the Anaheim Ducks after that, then Vegas, Winnipeg, Carolina, Minnesota. Just looking at the schedule for the next handful of games here. If Edmonton needs to go on this, if they if they need this run to save their season, it needs to happen now. They need to turn themselves into the Edmonton Oilers we all expected them to be. It needs to happen right now, this minute. Well, and here's, I'll say this. One thing I've been talking to some people that they point out is, Edmonton probably has to find a way to win in a way they haven't in the past. I mean, whether that's just everyone focusing on, on defensive play and trying to squeak out a two, one win, but really, you know, not chasing offense, you know, they, they haven't been, I mean, look, they've had like historical power plays the last couple of years. It hasn't clicked at that same rate this year. Like they might have to find a way to win in a way that isn't their character until they, until they find them rediscover themselves. And so I think that that's where the focus should be a little bit is, is almost just like, forget all the shit, forget what Julian and CJ are saying and everybody else, our buddy, Mark Spector out there. I'm sure. Um, forget what everyone else is saying and find a way just to squeak out some wins. Cause that's the truth. At the end of the day, if you start winning games, this does start, you know, I think it changes and there is still a world for where they can get back into it. It's, it just doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like they have it right. Like it, McDavid seems exhausted kind of like his body language, the way he's talking about it. There was a nice uh, shot I saw bounce around of him and Dreisaitl when they're down like 5-1 in the game against Carolina, and they're kind of like lifting each other up, giving each other fist bumps, I mean, trying to stay together. I mean, no no one understands better what each other are going through than those two, right? Because they've been there a long time. They've shouldered a lot of weight for that organization, and, and as surprised as we are, I would have to think that they're even more surprised because they know the work and effort they've put in and the belief they had in their team. And it's just, you know, the bottom's falling out. It sure is. We'll get to sports interaction. Then we look at teams in a playoff spot at us Thanksgiving. And then we get to, and then we get to uh, stick taps before the end of today's show. It's all part of the game. Yeah. I just gotta go hard. Welcome to, you can bet that remember to hit up sportsinteractioncom slash SDPN for all of your gaming needs. When will William Nylander's point streak end? You can find that among the many novelty specials on at sportsinteraction.com. Will it be against the Chicago Blackhawks tomorrow on Friday? If you think so, the odds of that, 2.35 to 1. The Pittsburgh Penguins are after that. If you think it's happening then, it's at 3.64 to 1. The Florida Panthers, the Seattle Kraken are on that list as well. Boston Bruins are also on that list as well. If you think it's going to happen then or later, uh, that's at 13.5 to one CJ. How do you see it? Well, let me start by being honest, my man. If we okay. had talked about this a week or two ago, I probably would have predicted it would be already be over. I, I didn't see it getting to 17 games. And so hats off to William Nylander for that, because I, you know, that's, that's a tough, that's a tough thing to accomplish. You know, as I look at it, Chicago's a team that's giving up a ton of goals, uh, just had seven put on them by Columbus. So you know, I, I think there's a pretty good chance he gets through that game with at least another point. Saturday in Pittsburgh, he's playing his brother Alex. Um, just knowing that Nylander is such a family guy, like I feel like he's going to bring his best in that game. So I think he gets to the, the set of games next week. They have Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, 
as you mentioned, um, Florida, Seattle, Boston. It probably ends in one of those three. Uh, I realize I'm not going out on a huge limb by saying that, but I, I think he gets to 19 anyway. And then, uh, and then I'm putting him on the clock for where, you know, just something isn't going to go right. He might have six shots on net in the game and not get a point. I mean, that's, that's why it's so hard to throw these, these kind of point streaks together, but I'm going to, I'm going to say he gets through the next two with at least a point. And then, uh, and then I think it ends in one of the three games at home next week. What I'm looking forward to the most is when we know that streak will be in danger and you see his teammates do everything they can to get him the puck. So that way he can, he can continue that uh, point streak. I'm looking forward to that. Whenever you think that they'll do, like this. I'll say this because I'm around Elise a fair bit. I don't get the feeling he's that focused on it yet. I, I was actually saying this to another reporter. Like, when does it get to become a really big deal? I mean, right now it's it's like, wow, okay, he's playing great. He's getting lots of flowers. Don't get me wrong. But like, when does it become like every game is like, can he keep doing it? I I don't think we're quite there yet. Maybe if he gets into the twenties, like a twenty game point streak's legit. That's a quarter of a season, right? So. I mean, look, we're right on the cusp of it being where I think it'll be a focal point. His teammates will be pushing for him, but they haven't had to lately because he's he's getting multiple points every game. Sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all the best odds before game, in game, and the best props. Sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. This episode of the Chris Johnston Show is brought to you by SeatGeek. With over 28 million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app. There are more than 70,000 events every day on SeatGeek, including concerts, sports, festivals, and more. With NFL and NHL underway, the NBA as well, SeatGeek has your tickets to every game. And even artists like Travis Scott and Zach Bryan, both of those guys are on tour. You can go to that app and check it out. They put all the tickets across the web in one place to make sure you're getting a good deal. And each ticket is rated on a scale of 1 to 10. So look for the green dots. Green means good. Red means bad. Every ticket is backed by their buyer guarantee, and SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event with swaps. Use the code Johnston for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with the promo code Johnston. Make sure you click the link in the description to download the app. CJ, it's time for us to look at teams in the playoff picture at American Thanksgiving. We've just called it this unofficial marker for whether or not teams will be able to make it if they're in that spot at that time why not lean into it and make a whole game out of it contenders and pretenders essentially it's this i, I get it cj you're shaking your head you don't like this for those I, contenders and pretenders it's not saying that you know if you're a contender you're going to win, you're going to win the stanley cup it's really just if you're going to be in a playoff position at the end of the season when it comes time it was just a really catchy term i tried to come up with and contenders and pretenders was just the thing i came up with can i first just say one thing sure go ahead the season starts a week later now so we even have a week less data than we once would have at american thanksgiving so we are we are flying not even for most teams are nowhere near 20 games yet into the season so we are these are ridiculously early judgments but i will play along because i like you my friend i like you too let's start with the eastern conference mm -hmm. How about the Boston Bruins atop the Atlantic division, 14 wins, 31 points contender or pretender screaming home run of a contender. That one's easy. I think um, I still can't quite put my mind around why that's happening, how the Bruins have kept uh, where they've, they've kept with some of the players they've lost in recent years and they just don't seem to skip a beat. Um, but I, I am very comfortable calling them, 
a contender in this case, not just for the playoffs, of course, but for the mug, depending on what kind of kind of season they can have and what kind of maybe moves that uh, Don Sweeney can make as, as the year goes along. Uh, also in the Atlantic, let's stay there for a bit. The Florida Panthers. Contender. That's just it. You don't have any fun other description of the Florida Panthers? Well, I mean, they were in the cup final last year. They've weathered injuries to Ekblad Montour, who have returned to their lineup. Um, Sam Reinhardt's having a great year. It's contract year, by the way. We haven't talked about yes, that. But um, I, I don't I don't see any reason why they won't be uh, a factor once again as, as the, the season goes on. So I, I see them as absolute playoff contenders. Uh, this next team looks uh, like they'll have Andre Vasilevsky back in the fold sooner rather than later. The Tampa Bay Lightning. You would look dumb if you ever called them a pretender. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to stick with contender there in Tampa. I mean, the, the the window of opportunity is likely slowly closing in Tampa just with the age of their core players and, and some things that they're facing. But this is not the year where I'm going to say it's it's closed. They're, they're still a contender. Let's go to uh, the other top three teams in the Eastern Conference, this time through the Metro. Uh, the New York Rangers. Contender. Okay. Uh, the Washington Capitals. Ooh. Uh, they're a surprise for me. I mean, look, they got off to a slow start initially out of the gate. They've they've roared back to life here. I'm going to give them my first pretender. I, I still think it's going to be a tough year for the Caps to make the playoffs. And uh, right now they are tied on points with the Carolina Hurricanes. And so you want me to say Carolina? Pretender? Contender? Carolina's a contender. Bit of a bit of a slow start by their um, standards of the last few seasons, but I I don't see any real grave cause for concern in Carolina. So I I think they're they're very much a firm contender playoff team. Okay, let's get to the wildcard teams. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're a contender. Um, don't have a, we say a lot about the Leafs on this show. Don't have a lot to add. We do to, to what's gone on uh, up and down start to the year, but. I mean, their, their top players are all firing at a pretty high level, and, and I just I, I don't see missing the playoffs as something that's in their future this year. The Detroit Red Wings. I'm back and forth on this one, I'll be honest. I I think they're a pretender. I mean, I they're definitely wow, okay. better than where they've been. Well, really, I don't like this is why I don't like the moniker because I don't mean that they're a terrible team by any stretch. No. I just I don't see them making the playoffs. Is kind of what I'm saying here. So for the for the purposes of the game and to have a rhyming one or the other, uh, I guess in the in the context of this game, it's a pretender. But I I just I I don't think they're quite there yet uh, myself. And and there's a lot of good teams around them. I mean, look, we you haven't mentioned a few yet that I I think are pretty established teams, and so. There's not room for everybody to make it. And so I, I, I don't think Washington makes it among the teams in there. And I, and I don't think uh, Detroit makes it. I'm very curious about what you think with this next team that is tied on points with the Detroit Red Wings, the Philadelphia Flyers. Pretender. I mean, credit where it's due, they look really good. And so maybe, maybe they are a team that's just jumped up way ahead of the schedule I would have put them on or thought they were on. Um, but you know, I still think a team like New Jersey, who you haven't met, mentioned yet, rather, is going to get in there, and and I would put them as a contender team, even though it you know hasn't looked great. And I know Lindy Ruff was pretty candid with his assessment of their play, in particular on Wednesday night. Um, 
but I'm going to I'm going to say for now the Flyers remain a pretender. So, I'm glad you mentioned them because uh you have the Islanders who are out of a playoff spot right now, the Penguins are out of a playoff spot right now, the Devils you're absolutely right also out of a playoff spot. Would you say the Devils are the team of all the non the currently non-playoff teams in the East? who you see them getting into the conversation. Is there anyone else we need to look out for? Yeah, I think I would have the Devils first among the, the teams out, and then I would have Pittsburgh. I, I still think Pittsburgh is going to factor in. I don't know if they can do it, um, given the age of their core and all that. But, I, you know, and look, they missed the playoffs, Pittsburgh, last year, what, by like a point or two on the last day of the season. So I, I think they're going to be right in the mix again. I, I think teams like Philadelphia and Washington will have a hard time outpacing them. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, that that's kind of maybe where some of this lies. We'll see if Ottawa can climb back into it. Um, you know, they've dug a bit of a hole uh, more than they would have liked to. But, you know, we, this hasn't fully taken shape yet. That's why I'm I'm dubbing a few teams pretenders that are firmly in a spot as of this moment, because I just think there's there's a lot of hockey left to play. Absolutely. But isn't this game so fun? Anyway. <laughs> uh, I, I just to the Western Conference we go as uh, CJ groans. <laughs> uh, the central division uh we can speed through some of these contending teams the dallas stars contender uh the colorado avalanche contender that was really good uh the winnipeg jets contender i've been okay. i've been consistent on the jets i think that that they were slept on a little bit I, you know it's it's an uphill climb i'm certainly not saying that they're an absolute top tier cup contender but I, I think they're a playoff team and they've they've shown it so far in the early going to the season i i wait with bated breath uh how long you debated over the vegas golden knights uh i didn't have to think too much let's let's brand them. you know the the champs are the champs until they're not the champs the vancouver canucks contender that was one i was wrong about from the start of the year but i think we've seen enough that it, it doesn't look like smoke and mirrors to me uh, in Vancouver. And, and I think absolute playoff contender, no doubt. The Los Angeles Kings. Contender. I mean, they, they're a team, right? They, they've come up against Edmonton in the last couple seasons and been beaten out in the playoffs. I think they're ready to take another step. Uh, it's hard not to notice, you know, a player like Quinton Byfield who's, who's, you know, impacting the games to a degree. He hasn't, you know, previously at the NHL level. Yeah, I think that they've had like that internal growth. I think they'll be aggressive as the year goes on in terms of adding to their roster and wouldn't surprise me at all to see them take the next step and have a longer playoff run than they have the last couple of years. Okay. The St. Louis Blues. They're my first pretender in the West. I'm Ooh, just not, okay. I'm not totally sold. Um, I mean, give them credit. They played really well of late and that's why they're in the playoff spot. But I just think when we get closer and closer to March 8th, we'll probably be talking about them maybe looking at trading a player or two as they did last year at the deadline. You know, I, I think that their their philosophy internally has been they, ne they didn't want to bottom out. You know, they, they've kind of relied. They, they've kept some of the younger prospects uh, not in the NHL lineup. They've, you know, acquired guys like Kasperi Kapanen and kind of like bridged the gap here. Um, they're, they're, they're playing well, and you can't fault them for it. But I, I still think ultimately – they're going to have trouble hanging into that spot right through to the end of the regular season. Last one for you, the Seattle Kraken. It hasn't looked good there this year. Who are the teams below the Kraken? Like, uh, like immediately. 
immediately below the Anaheim Ducks, the Arizona Coyotes, the Calgary Flames, uh, four points behind the Kraken. Then you have Nashville, Minnesota, Edmonton, Chicago, and San Jose. Oh, Minnesota's surprising, isn't it? I think yeah. I think I'll say contender for Seattle, but I'm doing it with a small C. Like I don't feel super confident about it, but I'm I'm not looking at that list of teams and going like, well, they're not gonna be able to hold off team X. Um very curious to see if you know, if there's a world where Minnesota can get it on back on track. I don't I don't know if they're quite in maybe they're in Edmonton territory where they've just dug too big of a uh, a hole out of the gate, but I'm not super confident about the Kraken because it hasn't looked great this season. But I, I do think given given that it's a very top-heavy conference, um, I, I think that they're at least going to sneak into a wild-card spot. I'll say this, though. Uh, just looking at the standings here, like to see Anaheim three points out of a playoff spot entering a, a American Thanksgiving, good job on their, on their part. And good job on Greg Cronin, who if he finds a way to put this team into the playoffs, that's a guy who's going to get some Jack Adams love. I, I, I like what they're doing in Anaheim. Yeah, and they, you know they've introduced younger players too, so it's it's coming in a way that I think that it's it's little, legitimately gives you hope for the future too. It's I mean it's you're giving wins this season and hope for the future. I mean that's that's ideal. I mean Pavel Michikov probably not getting as much uh, love as some of the other. I mean we talk about Connor Bedard a lot and some of the other rookies around the league. But he's had a fantastic season on their their blue line, forced their hand. He's sticking around. Um, I'm with you. I think it's them in Arizona. I could see like they yep. either of those teams could be surprises. Like I, I think they'll both hang around the playoff race. Maybe one of them gets hot enough to 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 find a way to get in. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, props to the the Ducks who've turned it around pretty quickly after last year being very much in the Bedard sweepstakes until the end of the year. I mean, Leo Carlson too. I mean, I know the, the thought there is they're not playing him in every game by design, sort of a load management situation, but he, he's going to be a star. Yeah, it sure seems like he will. And that uh, is going to do it for our fun little Thanksgiving game. You made it through another year where you tried to predict who would be in the playoffs rather the playoffs. Wasn't that fun? Yeah, it wasn't as painful as I was expecting. I mean, I guess ultimately it's pretty easy. The, the, the top five, give or take on each side are, you know, easy contenders and then you got a couple calls to make and so if you're a caps fan and you're a flyers fan or uh who else did i mark down there uh you also uh, seattle or sorry st louis seattle i think also st louis you mentioned them as a pretender so if you're a fan of those teams you can jump in my mentions in three months time if i was totally wrong and they actually hang around and make the playoffs could be worse you could be you could be an oilers fan looking at that list and, and thinking oh no we are nowhere near any small C contender status right now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jeez. We, yeah, we've gone in enough on the Oilers. I, I got, I got no more thoughts there other than, Oh my goodness. Yeah. Do you have a stick tap before we wrap up today? I do, man. Love a first NHL goal. And you especially got to love it when it comes off Zach Benson stick through his legs uh, for the Buffalo Sabres on Wednesday night. I mean, look, doesn't matter how you score your first NHL goal. It's going to be a memory, but to, to put one on the highlight reel, with the first goal is pretty impressive. And, you know, in Benson's case, he's been injured a bit to start the year. He missed a couple stretches of games and uh, pretty cool to see him get his first with some style points on Wednesday night. So props to you, Zach, first of many, I'm sure in the NHL. Where does that rank among the best first goals by an NHL player you've ever seen? Oh man. I was trying to debate this on Twitter yesterday. A lot of people were bringing up examples 
like uh, Jordan Eberle's first goal with the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, I saw Anze Kopitar's first where he blows by uh, Chris Pronger. Tyler Bozak had a really good first goal. Uh, Mario Lemieux got the best, got the better of Raymond Bork on his, on his first, first NHL goal. Too. On his very first shift, first shot. I mean, that can you beat first shift, first shot, beating Raymond Bork, like a Hall of Famer, one of the best of his era? I mean, I, that's for for total context that that's got to be one of the best first goals ever. Yes. Yes. Um but Zach Benson putting himself on the upper echelon of high quality first ever NHL goals. The really best smart. one that I witnessed live was Austin Matthews, but it wasn't his first goal. It was that night he scored four in his first game, but the one where he like beats Carl Eric Carlson and Mark Stone, like he like he went like one on four and scored a ridiculous yeah. goal. That I mean, that's a pretty good first night goal, but I guess he'd already put one or two in that night before that. Is that the nicest? So is that the nicest goal you've seen live? No, I don't. I mean, there's got to be way there's way better goals than that live. But that was a pretty that just for the for that being a rookie's first game that was crazy. Okay. Nicest goal I've ever mean, seen. Man, I'm going to have to sit around and think for a long time to think of the nicest goal I've seen live. Nicest goal I've seen live, probably the Trevor Zegris lacrosse goal against the Canadians during that uh, god-awful 2021-2022 season. <laughs> I think that's probably the nicest one. It was like a couple weeks after the dish again. Yeah. Okay. I, well, I can't even play. Th- it's not that I don't want to play that game. I just can't cat- go through the whole catalog on the, on the spot. You have like hours and hours of, of video of game footage, probably in VHS tapes in your noggin. I could. Well, and the problem is, is like some of the, the nicest goal probably came on just a random Tuesday night in February in a game that is forgettable otherwise. So that's, I'm, I'm going through like significant goals, like goals that mattered that were nice. But then the truth is just for pure style points, you know, it's sort of like Zach Benson's goal. If that's not his first NHL goal. He's not getting a stick tap, but I mean, he deserve, no. deserves it. Cause like, that's a pretty cool memory. And you know, his grandkids will be watching that highlight one day. Absolutely. Um, I'll give my stick tap to, uh, Luke Prokop who became the first openly gay player to play in the American hockey league, uh, last week. Uh, a lot of people have been following his story from junior and, uh, now he finds himself in the HL making history. So, uh, just wanted to give him some love. Absolutely. Work, working his way up towards the NHL and, uh, pretty amazing. I saw a story that Joe Smith did on, on Luke and the athletic where Luke was talking about how, when he came out, you know, he was expecting there'd be more players that would follow and it hasn't happened yet. And so he's still, um, you know, the only player under an NHL contract uh, who is, who's openly gay. And, you know, he still sounds like his experience has been overwhelmingly positive in terms of the way he's been received by opponents, by teammates. And so that's, uh, that's, that's nice to hear and uh, good to see him taking steps forward in his pro career. Absolutely. And that's going to do it for this Thursday edition of the CJ show. Uh, We'll be back on Monday with a brand new episode, so you can get your questions in now for Ask CJ, whether through Twitter or on Discord. Subscribe to both of our respective Twitters. We'll have that at the end. And uh, subscribe to the SDPN YouTube page. Subscribe to the podcast as well. Do all of the great things. Buy some merch. Just even just play an old episode on your TV or (laughs) in your your, your Spotify or your Apple podcast over the week. We'll take your view. We'll take your listen. Absolutely. Hell yeah. I'm not made of stone. Hell yeah. We'll take those views. Leave us a rating as well. Uh, if you can, especially on, I think on Spotify, you could definitely do that. 
You can do that on Apple Podcasts too. Do all the great things, man. Uh, we're just doing everything we can for our little do podcast. What, to do what Coburg Papa would do. He would leave a good review. You smart. You know that? That's genius. That is genius level marketing. Do what Coburg, do what Coburg Papa would do. Well done. For CJ, I'm Julian. So long. And peace. And happy Thanksgiving to all of our American listeners. The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook. Always remember to bet local. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter, at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie, at JK and McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.